0: The following programming is sponsored by Six Feet Over Under Productions. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen, powered by ELEC A25. We are thrilled to join you on WWDB 860 AM and 97.5 HD2, part of the Beasley Media Group, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the world news in the world of sports. Jeff, I'm never going to be able to get to the intro, not screwing it up.
1: Why? We're going to talk about all the world and the news of sports. <laughs>
0: Appreciate you very much. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, but there's a reason you do it because I would screw it up even more. This is true, right? Yes. uh, So so it's it's the lesser of two evils. At least I got to the end before I dropped the ball. So as we screw up the intro to the show, we Mm. will go and have a better show. We're going to talk to Jonathan Mayo in a few minutes from MLB.com, MLBPipeline.com about.
1: Yes, people, we are going to talk about baseball because we refuse. To just accept that there is no baseball and there in fact is baseball. It's just littler baseball.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll talk right? about the not being baseball a little bit afterwards, I right. think. But I mean the idea for us was look, we for years we did a minor league show. Mm-hmm. And we love the the journey of these players, the what they overcome, the struggles that they have, how they should be compensated better, all of those issues. Where they're sleeping. Where they're sleeping. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You hear the stories of them sleeping on air mattresses, and it's like all of a sudden you're interested more than playing, you were...
1: Playing doggy rodeo.
0: Yeah. <laughs> like all these different things that you never heard of before. And so you hear that there's a lockout in baseball, and I mm. get the anger. I'm right there with everybody. Uh, we'll get to that after, but... It's not all of baseball. It's major League Baseball. And it's only
1: players that are on the 40-man roster. And so, so like you, know, the guys that, that we're excited about coming up and making the majors in the next this season and the upcoming seasons, like Bryson Stott and Mick Abel, they're all playing right now. Like they're all getting ready for a season And as, as, as the Jersey Shore Blue closer, which is the, the single A team for the Phillies who we, we've covered for so long, um, as they said, hey, we're starting on time yeah get, get out here so you know if you if you do love baseball, regardless of your anger towards major league baseball, there's a whole bunch of guys that are that you can go invest time in cheer for, and then kind of watch them grow, which is kind of you know as, as you and I've always talked about, that's kind of my thing is is seeing these guys when they're 18, 19 years
0: old and kind of following their journeys until they make the major leagues. It is fun and, and you know, you're seeing the Phillies try to make over their system a little bit in terms of A little bit. The top of the organization. You know, we're not gonna ask Jonathan about that. We'll we'll get to everything else. But what are, what are your thoughts on on where the Phillies organization is in the minors? They made a lot of changes moving into this year.
1: Well, it couldn't get worse, right? I mean it was pretty bad. The the, the whole the whole thing was just kind of scrapped. They had no really good prospects until the last couple years. They've gone and just gone through the system and just kind of depleted themselves by bad drafting, bad scouting. Uh, the, there was, didn't seem to be a coaching philosophy that made sense. They did too much with the analytics, and, and I think the players pushed back all the way from the minors to, to Bryce Harper. And I, and I think now they're getting back to kind of a balance. And I think that's important. And if, if we're right, the guys that they've drafted over the last couple of years are going to be the guys in three or four years that you're going to see as the guys that people are going to be wearing their jerseys.
0: You hope so. They need to get it right. I mean, they, they can't just buy. They're not a team that's going to buy World Series. No, they're going but, to spend but, a lot of money. But at the major league level, they're going to need young talent to either replenish the system or have as chips to make trades Design guys. Yeah, but look at the guys that like we've talked
1: to when we did our minor league show, Logan Ohapi was a guy that like, even when we interviewed him, we saw something in him, but like, he wasn't a huge prospect, he's getting there.
0: No, I can't wait to ask Jonathan about that one. I definitely want to. Actually, why don't we bring him on and go to our interview with Jonathan and then we'll come back and talk about it. All right, the draft and the minors from MLB.com and MLBpipeline.com, Jonathan Mayo joins the show. Jonathan, looks like you're someplace beautiful with amazing weather. But it sounds like you're not enjoying an easy time on the beach at the moment as you try to get there.
2: <laughs> no, I cannot complain. I saw a baseball players doing baseball things today in Tigers minor league camp, so I uh, I have no complaints.
1: Yeah, so so we wanted to have you on to talk about look, we miss baseball. We want to talk positive baseball. And and so you are actually doing what we are so jealous and wish we were doing right now, which is which is actually watching baseball. So, what is it like to kind of be back to normal as far as seeing baseball being played in a stadium during spring training?
2: It's, it's normal, but it's not. It, you know, I think it's, it's kind of like one of those superhero shows where there was a multiverse and the universe gets set back and it's not 100% the way it was before, but it's
0: close. So what's the atmosphere like there? You, I saw you were looking forward to seeing some prospects at the Phillies camp in Clearwater. What, what was it like to be there? Obviously, we're all dreaming about seeing that and, and hoping to see some of those prospects. What'd you say?
2: Well, I haven't been to Phillies camp yet.
0: Ah, I gotcha. that
2: a uh, couple of days. I go there Sunday. Uh, I was in the Yankees camp yesterday and Tigers camp today.
0: So they what,
2: had an intra-squad scrimmage today for Tigers camp. So it was fun just to see sort of competition.
0: When you talk about the competition right now, what's the the thought among these teams with their their young players? Is this an opportunity for them to really get themselves seen? People who want to see baseball can go see their product, which you know Jeff and I obviously enjoy. But they would certainly love more fans to come out at all levels.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting because. Usually, this stage of early camp, you'll have prospects in big league camp. But what's happening now, like in the Tigers inter-squad scrimmage, you had Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green, and then guys who are over from the Dominican Republic for the first time on the same field at the same time. So I think it's a real great opportunity for those younger level prospects to show how they can compete with the guys who are knocking on the big league
1: You know, in our covering of spring training and past, we've gone down and we've kind of seen that what you're talking about is these guys coming over from other countries, kids coming from high school and college, and all having to to learn to assimilate and play together and and in some cases learn languages and things like that. What is it like when when you're there seeing how well organizations which sometimes don't deal with, all of the integration that goes into what is now an international game yeah i think that's one thing that seems i don't want to say
2: across the board but more teams spend more time helping guys especially the young international kids transition to not just playing professionally but coming to a new country for the first time and the language barrier and things like that and I I think teams have come a long way in understanding that you can't let those kinds of things trip you up because those are the kinds of things that keep you from maximizing your tools on the field.
0: As you head towards Philly's camp in a few days, who are you looking out for to to see there that that we should be looking out for here? Who excites you?
2: Well, I think the the guy who's going to get there first is Bryson Stott. And, you know, I saw him in the Arizona Fall League coming off a huge year last year where he reached Triple I don't think there's much more for him to do to, to be ready for Philadelphia. And he's the kind of guy that him one day he might not wow you, jump off the page, but he does everything well. He can play shortstop, no doubt, but he also showed that he can slide to third or second and he can really hit. And I think there's going to be more power once he gets to the big leagues than he's shown so far It's starting to come. He was really impressive in the fall. League. So that's the guy that comes to mind as he's going to be there first among their top-level prospects.
1: I don't know if you've had a chance to, to talk to Bryson. We've had a chance to talk to him uh, previously. And, and one of the things that impressed me was also his baseball IQ and also mm-hmm. his presence. Like even as a as a young kid, first coming coming into the minor leagues, he seemed like he knew he belonged.
2: Yeah, I think that's right. You know, there's certain guys who get tabbed as advanced college players who should move quickly, and that's usually talking about their tools on the field. You know, whether they can hit, whether they take walks, and he has all of that. But he also carries himself like a professional and seems to have an innate understanding of what he needed to do in order to, to get ready for the highest level. Um, I think another guy who fits that also is Logan Ohapi, who, you know, obviously was not as who to prospect because Scott was a first rounder, but that guy carries himself like he knows he's going to belong in the big leagues.
1: Is, is he somebody... That, so the guy that everybody's been talking to the last few... Talking about the last few years in the Philly system has actually been Raphael Marchand. And it seems like Logan Ohapi getting to the point where he may pass him as far as having more tools as a major league catcher. Maybe even slotting in behind our current all-star catcher as somebody who could take that mantle in a few years.
2: I think he's passed Marchand by to be honest with you. And this is taking nothing away from Arshan, who I think has a chance to be a good big league catcher. The thing about Logan Ohapi that is so impressive isn't just the tools. Yes, he can hit. He's going to have power. He can catch and throw, but it's all the intangibles you want from a catcher. You know, he works with pitcher as well the guys in the fall league guys not from this organization raved about how much he cared about their success he's the first guy to show up he's the last guy to leave i am a firm believer and granted it was a small sample that i saw in the fall league that he is going to be an everyday big league catcher
0: Look, and that's exciting because then it, it creates options to move Marshawn for talent that you need in other places for a farm system that's still trying to rebuild. You talk about a bat. Somebody it looks like you're looking forward to seeing there is Johan Rojas. Tell us about him a little bit.
2: He's exciting. You know, and he's a little yeah. further away. But the fact that he's got such an, I, an advanced idea at the plate for a guy that yeah. young, I think bodes well when you combine that with close to top of the scale speed, gold glove, caliber defense, in center field, you'll to see how much the power is going to come. I think it's going to come. He's a guy that gets asked about a lot when teams call the Phillies about trades. And, you know, he's not quite at that untouchable standpoint, but this is a guy who has all the tools in the toolbox And so it's a question of how much they get sharpened as he moves up the ladder.
1: So now let's switch to the arms. The Phillies the last couple of years have drafted two pretty good arms, Mick Abel and Andrew Painter. What are you looking to see from them? I mean, to me, Mick Abel seemed to have so much upside, but at least last year seemed to be struggling with command. He did, which was surprising
2: because one of the things that really stood about him and and frankly about uh, Andrew Painter also is the size and the stuff with the feel for pitching. And I think what happened with Abel is because he scuffled a little bit, I think he started to try to do a little too much. And I've seen it. I think we've all seen it with young pitchers. Like he just needs to trust that his stuff is going to work. He does not have to put a ball on the dime because the stuff is so good. So I think for him, he's just looking for a level of consistency and I think if he goes out and takes the ball every fifth day and just goes out and trusts his stuff, the command is going to come. The stuff is plenty good enough. The positive is that stuff didn't really back up last year. It's pure stuff. It's just the execution.
0: Anybody else we should be thinking about or that you're looking forward to seeing while you're there that we didn't bring up before we move on to other things?
2: Well, I'll talk about Painter you know, in a little more detail. For him, it's just to see him get going. And, you know, I think it'll be good... That Abel is there to kind of show him this is what it's going to be like, because I think there are a lot of similarities between the two of them, and I wouldn't be surprised if Painter ends up being, uh, you know, a top 100 top right-handed pitching prospect uh, after this first full season. I, I think he's going to hit the ground running, so so I'm I'm excited to to see him.
0: We've sort of seen the minor leagues as the laboratory for experimentation on rules changes in the last few years. Anything we should be looking out for this year or anything from last year that was liked, that continued, or disliked, that went away? <laughs>
2: um, you know, I'm glad that they're experimenting with things. I think it's unfortunate with the automatic ball strike, the robo ump, that I heard, that, that that was only at some levels and not others. And, Cause I think that was confusing for a lot of hitters where they might have it in one ballpark, but not in another even, or they get promoted a level and they have to readjust to human umpires. I actually think eventually an automated ball strike system could be a good thing for baseball. But right now, because there are so many kinks that need to be ironed out and the inconsistency among levels and ballparks made it a little tough, and and frankly, tough to evaluate how players were doing.
1: So, so Jonathan, one of the other reasons we wanted to have you on, um, and and before we let you go, we are going to ask you about our uh, our guys who we wish were in the Hall of Fame. But before we get there, we wanted to talk about you know we always talk to to, to players, coaches, sports personalities about how they're using your platform, and you're doing something interesting for a good cause with, with a favorite of ours, Ron Darling. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing?
2: Sure. And listen, there are really important good causes out there. This is a cause that's dear to my heart because my son plays at a small Division three school. And in normal times, these smaller programs have to fundraise to do the things that the larger programs just have the money to do. And annually, uh, Albertus Magnus College, it's a small school in New Haven. Uh, They go to Myrtle Beach every year because just like it is in Philadelphia, it's too cold to play baseball, Connecticut right now. (laughs) But because of the pandemic, they weren't able to have their normal fundraisers in the fall. And it's just been, my son is a junior in college and has not thrown pitch since really his senior year of high school because the shutdown, uh, he got COVID. So this is just doing something to try to let these kids have a normal spring season. And so we set up this fundraiser. It's a zoom conversation with myself and Ron Darling, who was kind enough to volunteer his time and expertise. I thought the New Haven link, because he went to Yale, would be a good one. So we're doing this on Monday, March 7th at 7 p.m. And it's a $50 donation, and you'll get the Zoom link, and you can listen in and participate.
1: Yeah, if you want to get Ron going, we found that talking to him about the lack of innings that pitchers pitch now (laughs) and not doing complete games, especially from a guy who I believe pitched into extra innings uh, a no-hitter and then lost it. it. It's always amazing to talk to the old-school pitchers about, you know, when they even when they didn't have all of the technology that they have now to, to, to make you stronger, faster, throw harder, that somehow these guys were able to hold up the way that people like Ron Darling did for so many years.
2: It's a different game for sure. I, uh, making note of that, I'll sure to ask him.
1: Oh, he'll like that. And, and, and so will you. Don't you worry. <laughs> so, so we have here, the, the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. uh, ballot just took place recently, and, and, and we have this debate going. I don't know what you think about Chase Utley Ryan ha- and Ryan Howard. I, th- I think they're kind of fence guys that don't get in. But, but Jimmy Rollins is always the one that comes up as a guy that, if you look at his career, especially in the era that he played in, do you think he's a guy that belongs in the Hall of Fame?
2: You know, it's interesting, guys, because thinking about this, because you told me you were going to talk about it, and I, full disclosure, I do not have a Hall of Fame vote. My, my gut said e- was the one of the three who felt more like a Hall of Famer, but this was without looking at numbers or career comparisons or anything like that.
0: So it's interesting because in terms of the heart of the team, it was Utley. But in terms of sort of the player that transformed the position here, it seemed more Rollins. So I wonder whether he gets more credit. But I always tell Jeff, the guy who I had to turn the TV on every time he came up was Ryan Howard. And I know that he didn't play long enough to get that. But he was must-see TV every time he stepped up to the plate to blast something over the center field wall.
2: Oh, without question. There are guys like that throughout baseball. And I grew up in northern New Jersey, and I was a Mets fan. And you had to watch every Donald Strawberry at bat. That. that doesn't make him a Hall of Famer. And I think with Ryan Howard, the combination of the fact that he didn't necessarily do it for long enough, and that's a tough position because you tend to say, well, was he the best at his position at the time he played for an extended period of time? And I think for a little stretch of time, maybe the answer was yes, but probably not quite long enough
1: all right so before we let you go, since you brought up that you were grew up as a Mets fan during that era uh, how how much did you like I'm assuming you saw it once upon a time in Queens I have not seen it oh, oh you need to so we have had we have had yes no I know we, we we have had the the director of that on to talk about. The stories, the behind the scenes, and then we had Ed Hearn on, who was the backup catcher, to talk about it. And it, yeah, it I is, there is nothing that is more fascinating than that. If you if you for anybody listening, I, I was not a Ma- any- I
0: was not a Mets fan, and I was highly entertained by that and the the way that they presented the team and the things that you learned. Whether you were a Mets fan who knew all about the Mets or just a baseball fan who didn't follow them, the things that you learned about that right. team were fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and it is on my, it's my uh,
0: nightstand book. Yeah, you and, know? and, and the Back. one,
1: the one, the one thing that I'll tell you is, is like, you know, as as growing up in that era as well, and also being a fan of those teams, is you always wondered how did they not win more World Series? And when we talked to Ed Hearn. His comment was, it was amazing that we won one World Series with the amount of dysfunction that
0: was going on on that team.
2: Yeah,
0: I believe it. It was definitely a good time to talk to them. Look, Jonathan, we always appreciate the time. We will look for some updates from you on Twitter uh, as you go to the Phillies camp in Clearwater in the coming days. We wish you the best of luck with the event, raising money. Good on you for using your platform for a cause. And uh, you have a great day, man.
2: Yeah, and uh, people want, they can still RSVP. I uh, I pinned the tweet it's at Jonathan Mayo, and you can find the link there.
0: We'll go and we'll share that on our the, at the heart of sports uh, social media accounts after the show, so that people can go to register there as well. So thanks, for the- Jeff. We just shared that on our social accounts, so people can go and support the event. Look, we'll talk to baseball in a second, but can you imagine kids not being able to play ball for two years, trying to just get on the field?
1: Yeah, I mean it hurts. It hurts development, but it but it also it's just has. Watching how much this pandemic has taken a toll on on youth, like it's hard on all of us, but kids, like all of these things, it's just so hard on them. And so, it's it's yeah, extracurricular activities matter.
0: And so, we wanted to do this because everybody's talking about the lockout, and we'll talk about the lockout for a few minutes here. Mm-hmm. But there is baseball, and it's a lockout? and. <laughs> Look, I'm frustrated, all right? I, there are a lot of things that you have to sp- explain to your kids that you're like not ready for those conversations. Yeah. I didn't expect the when can I see the Philly Fanatic from my 5-year-old. Yeah, that's not the that one most parents up. dread just yeah, so you know, like, like we're like, going to keep we're going to keep it rated G, but Like this is the first <laughs> year that he's looking forward to going to a baseball Why? game because we went last year. No,
1: was it for the baseball game or is it for like like when kids are young? Both. It's for hot dogs. And the no, fanatic he wasn't the and hot dog. An ice cream. He and was a helmet. the ice cream in the helmet. <laughs> right.
0: The fanatic. Yeah, you can still do those things. And you just, could go get a helmet and just being at the game. And yeah. we can't do that. And. Yeah. I do believe there will be baseball at some point this season.
1: Well, there'll be baseball on opening day. It just won't be in major league stadiums.
0: Did you see some, some of the uh, one of the was it the Phillies that put out that it, it's okay because we weren't home for the opening series that were canceled? Yeah, that makes a lot of so sense. So our opening right. day yeah. is still it's not our problem, but, right? Yeah, uh, th- no, that's not how this mm-hmm. works. So we are on day ninety three of the lockout. We should be twenty seven days away from opening day. Instead, we've had the first two weeks canceled. Yeah. Wait,
1: you didn't explain. So what? what is it? So is it the ice cream and
0: a helmet that he misses most or is it something else? It's the fanatic. And you told me before the show well, that he uh, can see him probably at the minor league stadiums because he's got time. Well, also, but I don't know which one he's going to be at. Yeah,
1: but he's also not on the 40-man roster. So it's okay. He's available.
0: My five-year-old He's not doesn't get by that. by the lockout. I am glad that, that you understand yeah. the merits of the lockout and who is impacted. <laughs> My five-year-old still doesn't understand yeah, why it's okay is, to steal a base when we're not allowed to steal. But, but this, so this is not a conversation that I can have with him. But, but here's
1: the deal. All you have to do is you can take him to the shore and you can see the blue claws and I'll bet you he'll be there with Buster. It's oh, he'll it, have a blast! It's sad that I know all these mascots. Or you could take them to Reading, and they have a whole boatload of mascots. He'll have a blast, but I
0: know that you're the baseball guy. Like yeah. this is your time. We Not should anymore. be <laughs> celebrating our players in spring training, and instead we're finding different angles. They to ruined talk about February
1: fifteenth for me. They did. Yeah, but, like Valentine's Day, big day for most people. <laughs> February fifteenth. Big day for me. Like, like that's the day <laughs> Big that, pi- for me. that pitchers and catchers are supposed to report. And, and you get excited that spring is around the corner despite the fact that the groundhogs saw a shadow again. So,
0: will you get excited when they say, like, pitchers and catchers are reporting in April now? or May? No. Like, is that like a. a, a so, what's if, the well, damage here? If they
1: say pitchers and catchers report in April or May, you will see a letter from me to the Phillies saying, I want my money back. There, there's no way that I'm going to deal with uh, they're
0: going to report they're g- what they're A-Pona. going to say is you can get tickets the following season. I That's, know
1: my money's carried over for a whole bunch of years. It's go-
0: not carrying
1: over they're anymore going
0: to tell you you can carry that over no. very nicely. It's plus
1: apparently according to you, I I need to also go rob a bank plus get the money back from all anything else I'm going to do if I want to renew my Sixers tickets next year. Look,
0: depending on where you sit in that arena, there are thirty percent increases in tickets in the lower bowl. That's a significant That's a bargain, hike. right? And, and look, here's my thing. What about the Flyers? <laughs> we'll get to them in a second. Okay, they, they, they can't give away tickets yeah. right now, but. This is a team that hasn't made it past the second round to the Eastern Conference Final in 20 years. And you're raising tickets 30% in certain areas, but you're explaining it as, look, you know I spin, okay? Mm-hmm. So they're saying, well, it's an average 14% increase. That's because the tickets higher up That's got like a, a lot. like a couple percent increase. Exactly. Yeah. And the rationale is, well, we didn't raise it last year for COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you didn't <laughs> have the they're player you were playing for half yeah. the year and you charged everybody the full price. Uh-huh. Like, I just... I don't know. The teams, I, there seems to be a disconnect. And it's not the only complaint I've heard about you know, other teams down there. But it's, there just seems to be a disconnect between the teams and the fans at some point. You look at the Flyers game last night. They had to hold back laughter to announce that there were 13,862 people in that building. They could have counted the people that were walking outside you, you on do, Broad Street and Infinity Live, and there weren't thirteen thousand people you, you realize, in the Stadium Complex. You,
1: okay, you do realize this is the same team. They're not worried about PR being done right. This is the team a few weeks ago that didn't even acknowledge their founder's passing. I just so so uh, the Flyers are the gang that can't shoot straight, literally and figuratively it from from the the players all the way up to the front office this this is a disaster to watch so if they raise ticket prices <laughs> then you know that armageddon is here like like that that will be the day that hell freezes over that somebody pays more
0: to for flyer's flyer right tickets
1: now. well i i could tell you i i know somebody somebody very a close friend who has had for as long as i've known him has had season tickets and i'm talking like first five row tickets and he told me yesterday I'm done that's it if anybody wants to take my tickets over before I say
0: no go ahead but I'm done look I know that leagues think that people will just come back there's a lot more entertainment options out there now for people to spend their dollars on yeah but this
1: isn't entertainment for the Flyers, you can't call it an entertainment no, option. it's painful. There's I've... nothing entertaining about it. The first I period the... against their rival Capitals, there wasn't even a Let's Go Flyers chant for the first period.
0: I went to the dentist on Monday or Tuesday. I that was better than a day. Flyers And can? it was less painful than watching the Flyers game this week. Let's go to break. When we come back, we got Penn's men, Penn men's basketball coach Donnie. Who Say that out. five times fast.
1: Operating engineers are the men and women that move mountains. And the Engineers Labor Employer Cooperative, ELEC, puts them to work. They
2: create opportunities for the men, women, and union signatory contractors of Local 825, repaving our roads, keeping our homes bright and warm, and even building our favorite team stadium. We understand infrastructure. That's why ELEC and Local 825
1: are
0: ready to get to work. You know it's funny. I wish we could broadcast what goes on during the break because we've got Wes behind the glass and that he's been at the Flyers game the last two and he'll be at the one this weekend. Jeff and I Jeff and I are going, "Why?" <laughs> and he goes, "Well, I had to work." That's the only reason that somebody goes to the Flyers yeah, game. Yeah, and that right? doesn't make it much better, guys. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I, d- I don't hear your mic, Jeff. Yeah, sorry. You you, you said talk a, to me. <laughs> well, my mic was off.
1: I, I, I'm convinced you have a little button over there to make sure that I can't talk. But. Believe me, if I had a button, it <laughs> would be used much more <laughs> often on this show. <laughs> you sent you sent me a photo of a Flyers stadium seating during a game where there was nobody there, and then you told me there were all those scouts there, and I'm like, where are they sitting? There were a lot of scouts there last
0: night. Apparently, they counted <laughs> they, towards the thirteen thousand. There 11, were thirteen thousand scouts. scouts looking at Claude Giroux. <laughs> okay. There were. Scouts from Boston, Dallas, Anaheim, Colorado, Vancouver, Edmonton, Washington, Ottawa, Calgary, Vegas, Rangers, Seattle, and St. Wouldn't it Louis? have
1: been easier just to say the teams that weren't there? Probably. Why well, you literally just went through the whole NHL.
0: Well, I just wanted to show how many scouts were there to take up that number that they released the and people each there. one of them was counted as a 1,000 patrons. I, I know it's silly, but I'm, like, bothered by it. You know, like, the Flyers were my team. Like, I loved... I love all the sports, but I really love going to those hockey games.
1: Yeah, but where's your ratings discussion now? See, this the, is where you should be saying what the rate, whether the ratings are up or down, too.
0: I don't know what the ratings oh, are. See, look, and now got I'm going to have there. to look for it next uh-huh. week. And and here's the thing. Oh no, that I means think I'm the ratings are different. Week, huh? I think the ratings are different at different parts of the game. Yeah. Like if if it were me, I would turn it off at the end of the game so I don't have to watch the collapse. Like last night, they were up. Four different times in the game. And then in 25 seconds, they blew a lead and blew the game and have now lost eight of nine after losing 10 straight twice in the season. That is hard to do. The
1: last Flyers game I was at, I was with somebody who hadn't been to a Flyers game in at least 20 years. And I said, We don't have to stay till the end. Why? Why don't we have to stay till the end? Because here's what happens the Flyers will keep it close in the first period. And then somewhere around the second period, they're going to have, there's going to be a little bit of hope. And then, you know, Then it just all falls apart. So you don't really need to stay to
0: watch that. (laughs) And then that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) Let's leave the hockey talk there. Let's talk about the hardwood. Bring on University of Pennsylvania men's basketball head coach Steve Donahue. Coach, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great, guys. How
0: are you doing? Uh, We cannot complain. We always enjoy getting the chance to talk some basketball with you. Uh, A bit bit of a different season after the last couple years. Why don't you talk to us about what everything's been like for you guys this year?
3: You know, obviously, uh, after not playing last year uh, because of the pandemic, the Ivy League, and this year, having such a new team, and obviously it's been wild, but I'm just grateful that we're playing. We have uh, a ton of COVID. We're two kids out with it now, and uh, just one of those seasons. But as I said, I think, for the most part, college basketball has brought back some normalcy, uh, and obviously, March is such an exciting time of the year uh, with the tournament right around the corner.
0: We obviously can't wait to watch the tournament. You mentioned some of the young guys, and your sophomore, Jordan Dingle, he's been lights out lately, and, I mean, for parts of the season, I'm not sure where he is after the last game, he's been leading the Ivy League in scoring. Can you talk about his development and how important that's been for you as a team?
3: Yeah, I think um, Jordan was Ivy League of the Year. He's one guy we leaned on early. Uh, we had such a difficult schedule, we probably leaned on him too much, but He's been fantastic. He's had five 30-point games. Uh, he's efficient at all levels. He, he finished at the rim, the mid-range, and he had eight threes in the game. He's, uh, only a sophomore and, and last game, unfortunately, he was in concussion protocol, so we didn't have him. Uh, we hope that about this weekend and then for the Ivy tournament next weekend.
1: So talking about the, the Ivy tournament, Coach, you're 9-4 in the Ivy. Um The regular season, as you said, has been kind of a grind, but you're third in the Ivy League and you're going to be in the tournament. How excited are you to be in a tournament with fans in the building?
3: Yeah, it's an incredible uh, feeling for all of our guys, especially after missing the the tournament the last two years. Uh, We play Saturday before selection. Sunday, you win a game. You're you're one game away from hearing your name. That's what we all in the profession hope for, and as a kid, that's what we dream for. Uh, so, we, we know we're going to play Yale in the first round and then hopefully be the winner of Princeton and Cornell.
0: Separate from the wins and losses there, how important is the pressure that comes with postseason tournaments to developing your young players like Jordan?
3: Well, I, I think, you know, anytime you get any kind of postseason experience, and in particular in our league, because not everyone makes the conference tournament only the top four. Uh, to get that experience, even if this doesn't turn out to be successful. I think we're building something uh, really special in our program where I think we can take a huge step over the next couple years.
1: Coach, do you ever get tired of playing in the Palestra? Uh,
3: That's impossible, guys. I came here as a kid. I played my last high school game here in Philadelphia Catholic League Championships. Um, It's just a special building. Uh, the playing, the coaching, to be a spectator. It's so intimate that there's 10,000 of us on top of each other. There's really no other venue like it. And, and I argue maybe in all sport because you know, you're so close to the action. It's just an incredible environment to play in, as I say.
0: Well, it's apparently a great place for breakfast, too, because Coaches versus Cancer has their Upcoming breakfast that's back in person. Can you talk to us about what that's like? Where you guys are going to honor Dan Baker, and what it's like when you get together on Monday, March 14th, after Selection Sunday, to talk to the fans?
3: Yeah, it's a great event. Um, For anybody who hasn't been there, you know, it's almost a bucket list. Uh, we have tables on the floor of the Palestra. All the coaches are there. We have all media there, and obviously this year honoring Dan Baker. But, you know, the excitement of, you know, knowing you got in the tournament and then you get to, you know, obviously Jay Wright's going to be there and talk about his team for sure. I hope others are there uh, thinking about their opponents in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but what a special way to kick off the NCAA tournament. On the floor of the Pelaster, uh with an incredible event, uh, benefiting coaches versus cancer. And, as you said, honoring Dan Baker, the longtime PA announcer, at the vet, and obviously for the Eagles and Phillies over the last several years. And he's a cancer survivor, uh, someone that we really love to honor.
1: You know, Coach, we've talked to you in the past about Coaches versus Cancer and your involvement. It, what has it been like for you to become more and more involved in this and see the the benefits of what the Coaches versus Cancer program does, and especially what it does with the Philadelphia contingent?
3: Yeah, you know, I've been other places. And I'm Kelly, Co tell, Bourne, and all that. and I go to other places. I spent a lot of time in Boston, and there's no other place like this. And a lot of it, with the success that the Pages versus Cancers have over the last 25 years, can be contributed to Phil Mortelli and Frank Duffy. But more importantly, the Philadelphia community rallying around these events to help us raise money that. You know, I just had a friend find out uh, his son had cancer, and prognosis is good because of events like this. We make an impact by raising this money for research, and it stays in our community, and it changes lives. And, but before it's not, to uh, use my platform to help this cause.
0: You know, you talk about uh, the other coaches. Can you talk about the coaching community in this city? On April 9th, you guys will have the basketball gala at the Bellevue you're gonna have the City Six coaches who are doing this all, honoring Philly coaching legend shot shot guy Herb McGee. It just seems like yep. the the coaching fraternity in this city is something special that that isn't really replicated in other places.
3: We say that again. There really isn't a place that, first of all, there are six Division Ones and numerous Division Twos and Threes. Uh, all it was really brotherhood of coaches and. Uh, all of us, Billy Six, Zach Spiker, Trexel, and Irony Kent, and also our, uh, Billy Lang, our J. Joe's and Jay Wright, and Villanova, all spend a lot of time helping this cause, uh, and really try to make it the best they can. The, the gala is spectacular. The Black tie Affair at the Bellevue, and now we get to honor, you know, retiring at the age of 80, uh, May Smith Hall of Famer Herb McGee. Um, we all know and well, it's a, another way to really have a great night to sell Fill up Philadelphia basketball and raise funds for an incredible cause.
1: You know, Coach, you, you, you mentioned before the, the role of Fran Dumfrey and uh, Phil Martelli. You see that Phil Martelli's kind of stepped into a role at Michigan because of, of what happened with Juwan Howard. What, what has impressed me about what Mr. Martelli is doing and, and the assistant coaches is how important assistant coaches are to a program. You always see that the, the head coach is the face of the program, but how important is it for somebody like you to have good assistants, to have people that can relate to the players and provide advice and see things that maybe you're not seeing because you're focused on something else? Hey
3: guys, this is not an overstatement. Uh, your program... Survives how well your assistant coaches are in doing down. There's so much more that people don't see that really falls on the assistant coaches. These are 19 to 22 year old young men that have, as you can imagine, life can be messy. And their abilities and how well they relate and how well they work and, and recruit and develop is all based on how good they are. Um, Phil kelly to be an assistant coach at this point is incredible benefit for Michigan. And I hope people realize that assistant coaches are the lifeline of your program. And I think most head coaches realize that.
0: Yeah, I'd have preferred if they didn't have him as an assistant coach, because he helped make sure they knocked off Rutgers and hurt my team's chances of making the tourney. <laughs> yeah. So I'd have preferred if yeah. they didn't have a strong assistant coach thing going on there. Uh, yeah. Coach... How exciting is this time of year for you in general? Uh, you know, I regardless of, of how the season, you get to this point, you, you guys are a different team at this point. You've bonded. You have relationships. Can can you talk about what it means to you as a coach, and I know you don't like to talk about yourself that much, to be in that battle with these guys who you've saw, fought so hard with all year to know that you're going to be in that Ivy League tournament playing Yale? Yeah, it's it's
3: hard to put in words. Um uh, the intrinsic feeling you get about the excitement of coming in and putting the group together. And for us, we were three and 10 at one point we played an incredible schedule. Uh, but then all the things that you go through and then the excitement of, you know, 24 hours of two games where you could be hearing your name called where the the whole nation, the whole world is watching. There's, there's nothing like this, this excitement, uh, spring is in the air, and everyone thinks of baseball, well, college coaches think of uh, just the thought of the possibility of playing in the NCAA tournament, and, you know, you know it's it's incredible for someone like myself that, like, the opportunity and hopefully more opportunities, but for a player who has that small window of four years, this is what they live for, um, and it's incredibly exciting, and as I said, it's like the final chapter of this story this year and all we went through we like to like to finish it up strong and give these kids memories that they'll never forget.
1: You know coach uh, basketball may be what they live for for these four years but this is also an incredible period of growth for, for most people that age and, and coaches are an integral part of that I can't understate how much it means to this community to see the City Six coaches involved as much as they are and and helping battle cancer and helping people in the community and using your platform for good, what does it mean to you to to be able to give that example to to the young men that you are coaching?
3: You know, um, I appreciate you saying that. and I do think that's something that gets overlooked because everyone just kind of talks about wins and losses and who's on the hot seat and all that kind of stuff. That's not how we live. Uh, you know, we take our kids to the Hope Lodge once a semester. Um, because I want to expose our guys to, like, some of the things that are going on in life. And unfortunately, most are going to have to uh, experience and get through and show real courage that these people are doing. And I think that's what goes understated in coaching. That's what kind of drives us is just helping these young people make an impact. And they've got to say they're recruiting. It's funny, but I like that two tables at your wedding, like Penn Basketball. We're going to be there. Uh, and I just got an invitation from a kid who graduated six years ago from town, and he's invited me to his wedding. That, that means more than a coach of the year award. That's, that's why we all do this. And that, that makes me feel so good that I had that kind of impact, and he valued our relationship so much. He wants me there on that kind of day that he celebrated.
1: You know, before we let you go, Coach, we just want to tell everybody you can get, get more info and tickets on the Coaches versus Cancer event at www.phillycvc.org, and, and we'll publicize that on our social media. Um, Coach, you mentioned the Hope Lodge, though, and for pe- we know about it. We, we, we are so impressed with what the city does with the Hope Lodge, but can you tell people who may not be familiar with it what the Hope Lodge does and, and, and how important it is to the city?
3: It is. It's an amazing place. It's up in Fox Chase. Uh, we have numerous ones around the country. Um, but what it does is it provides families that are hit with this horrific notice that someone has cancer. And here the Hope Lodge is there to provide free housing. Because one of the biggest things that happens when someone has cancer, someone has to quit a job. You've got to figure out the expenses. And the Hope Lodge takes something off their plate. We also give free rides back and forth from treatment at one of the major hospitals here in the city. So people can come. They've got a nice place to stay. They're with others who are going through the same thing. Uh, And it just takes the financial burden off these families. And I think it's one of the most amazing things that goes on in the American Cancer Society that you're not alone. There's a lot of us here that are going to help fight uh, and know that this is another way that we can help you get through this battle of
0: cancer. We appreciate you telling the listeners about Hope Lodge, helping make sure Hope Lodge can continue to thrive, and all that you and the other coaches do here in the city for coaches versus cancer. Wish you the best of luck in the in the tournament there, and thanks for what you're doing with these men, developing them this season. We know it hasn't been an easy ride, but good to see you guys back out there in front of fans, and thanks for giving us a little time.
3: I, I appreciate you making time for us, and uh, I hope everyone considers those two main events, and love to have more people involved it's it's an incredible way to get back to the community
0: well we want to encourage people to go join you and see you there you have a great one coach thanks guys jeff every time we have one of those coaches on they talk about the game but they talk about the development and you know maybe it's because we ask these questions but i think they enjoy the fact that we ask about them developing people not just players and the, the complete role that they play in their life. And, and you could hear him there when he said, I got an invitation to his wedding. Mm-hmm. Like you know that you made an impact on somebody's life when they want you to be a, a part positive. of that. Not just an impact, a positive impact. Yes. And, and that's,
1: that's why, I mean, when we talk to somebody like Coach Donahue, he, you know, as, as somebody who's going to have kids that are recruited to play college basketball soon. Please, I can't even um, <laughs> sit on a chair right. I'm in the studio here <laughs> yeah, yeah, p- and I just knocked the chair uh, down to make myself I was gonna, even shorter. So I was going to say something serious but if people could actually see what was going on all in the studio is that all of a sudden you became about a
0: foot shorter as your chair just like sunk to the ground. And look, I'm not the tallest person in the studio to begin with <laughs> so being on a shrinking chair doesn't help me at all. Yeah, but but back to Coaches
1: versus Cancer. I mean, it's something that we take pride in every year and, and encourage everybody to be involved in the coaches in this city do a great job the american cancer society does an incredible job and it, it's a it's a fun event with a purpose like what
0: more could you ask and it's right before the ncaa tournament it, it i love this time of year you know that uh, my parents used to joke uh, well, I, by the way what
1: time are you leaving or are you going to be late for the the, uh, the duke north carolina last Krzyzewski
0: game. man i couldn't afford to go to that game if it, i wanted isn't to that i need you
1: to buy me a ticket to that game did you see the price of those tickets? What are they up to I now? I think they were like six grand.
0: For six so, grand, you so, pay like tuition and books for all a right, part so of
1: it. I'm going to ask you a question. Pick, picture your kid is in college right now and has- you know, I would you, tell my kid to you, sell those hold tickets. On, you know, hold on. Just let me finish. <laughs> let me let me lay out this scenario. So so you bought your kid season tickets for, for the basketball team. Probably cost 100 or $200 for the season. And your kid says, I'm going to the game tonight. And you find out that that ticket's worth $6,000. Sell, sell,
0: <laughs> sell. <laughs> You'd be like, yo, you can get season tickets next year uh-huh. and a car to drive yourself to those games and a parking spot. You, you could have something on the court
1: named after you Absolutely. for that price, right? It'll be Coach K and U-Court. Like. How loud is that play? I mean, it's a loud arena anyway. How? It's not just his last game. At home, it's his last game at home versus North Carolina. Yeah,
0: it's going to be like could they did they had to have set that up. It right w- would it be louder there or when Ben Simmons comes back here in Philly? Oh
1: no, it'll be louder here.
0: That's right because yeah. it was pretty loud because there's no frosty involved down there. It was pretty loud yeah. on Wednesday night down there for James Harden's debut on this team.
1: It, well, but it won't be loud because Ben Simmons is not playing next week. I'm not saying that is news. I'm saying that is a prediction because, Ben, uh, nobody's seen
0: him play basketball. His back hurts now. I am so glad that we don't have to deal with that. How, how, I am so glad we don't. Okay, so I'm not even going to talk about it. Why are you not going to talk about it? Because I just... We wasted. He's so not our much problem. So know. now's the time
1: to talk about it. Kinda. Now you
0: could laugh about the Nets. Well, it's hilarious because the Nets are in eighth right now. They got Durant back on the court. They're they five
1: hundred this season. I think they're thirty-two and thirty-two now, right?
0: Yeah, the yeah. Sixers are thirty-eight and twenty-three though. Yes. They're seventeen and thirteen at home. They're actually after the Cavs uh, beat the Bulls last night. Mm. They're in second in the East now. The Cavs come into town tonight to play. Right. That's gonna be a good game. It should be a fun game. Darius Garland is really good. Mm-hmm. he's been in and out with bat, no, but bat that issue. whole team is it's it's a good up and coming team. It should be. You fun. don't
1: you don't think Cleveland an up and coming basketball team unless LeBron is there. We so. we
0: obviously had lots of conversation leading up to the trade. I, I obviously look. I'll admit. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Uh, I thought they should about have made it. what? The answer is yes, you're wrong, but I don't know what you subject are we talking about. You that and about? play it like right. anytime you want. I thought that they should have taken something less because I didn't think they would get hardened in the season and I wasn't sure they would get it after the season. Yeah. We'll still see how his health is, but the spacing on the court and the fun watching this team a little bit, if some guys can knock down shots, they're a tough team. So, but here's, your, here's my chance to say to you, you were right, but you're only
1: right because of this trade. So- you know that I like Maxi, but I've never been sold on Maxi, right? And 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 I think Maxi has busted his butt to become a point guard, and he's he's succeeded in certain ways, and he's been he would be an average point guard. He's a shooting guard.
0: He's and, much better at the and, wing. And,
1: and I had so many people texting me not about Harden during the first oh, and Maxie. second game. It was like. When did Maxie learn to have a step back three? When did Maxie be, when, when did he catch and shoot? Where is this coming from? And that was his natural position. And we never got to
0: see it because we had no point guards. I just know you and Keith thought I was crazy for liking the guy so much. No. So it's the but, only but thing but I write he, about every once in a while.
1: He's been going crazy. And the other thing is, is even though Tobias is struggling to catch and shoot, which he has to do, he can't, they keep. They Harden apparently has been hard on him about this. But the other thing that kind of has been unleashed as a result of this is the athleticism of Matisse. That pass the other day, that full court pass to Matisse, (laughs) bolting down. Better arm
0: than Jalen Hurts does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Howie Roseman may try to sign him. They may now have the best starting five in the NBA. Okay. So. Because of one guy. And I didn't think that was going to happen. And I, I just have one other question. How is it that James Harden right when he's demanding trades or sulking his way out of town, looks like he's about 20 pounds overweight, and then the week after he gets there, he all of a sudden looks like he's fit as can
0: be? I don't How does wanna, he do that? I don't want to overdo it because it's only three games. And I've told you all along that my concern is Yes, but it's a, and, it's
1: a better three games than you could have asked for.
0: They're averaging... Between the three of points them, 84.7 points a game. The, the team, team is th-
1: averaging 20 points more per game.
0: Yeah, they've got to combine 254 points on 56% shooting mm-hmm. right now. I'm, I mean, Maxi had his third straight 20-point game since Harden's arrival. He's averaging 24.6 points a game, shooting 64% from three. That's not going to happen again, but he was a like, 28 30% shooter from three in college, Maybe 35%, 34% last year. He's shooting over 40% this year from three. You want to yep. talk about well, development. Well, think about the looks he's getting now. I did, my favorite tweet, by the way, going back to the Ben shade, mm. was that Tyrese Maxey developed more in one hour than Ben Simmons oh, did in five years. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I did enjoy that shade that was thrown out there. And I did tell you, I finally found the bright side of the Markel Fultz situation. Tyrese Maxey. That's how we got him. The draft pick that they traded Markel Foltz for yeah. led to Tyrese Maxey. Exactly the way they planned exactly it. Exactly right? how they thought out when they said, here's what we're going to do with the process. Sometimes We're going to draft this guy it. and he's going to fall off the abyss and we're going to mm-hmm. trade him for a pick. And get lucky that and we And who hit. made that pick? Was it Colangelo? I think it was Elton Brand. <laughs> I think Elton Brand did it. Oh, you mean the, the freaking GM who yeah. had Bernergate, The Gate? <laughs> yeah. The Joel almost, Embiid apparently still hasn't let go? I almost spit my water out when he said that in the post-game You shouldn't press do conference. that. We're still
1: in a pandemic. <laughs> it would have been bad.
0: So they've got a tough schedule coming up next. Cav, Heats, Cavs, Heat, Bulls, and Nets. All but Miami here at home. The Cavs game tonight. Yeah. It should show you a little bit about what the team is. I mean, it's interesting. They've been doing this. Harden basically knows two plays on the team right now. No, uh, he knows more than that. I mean, look how he's distributing the ball. Well, you you That's, say that you, in in this three game span for the Sixers. Yeah. How many assists does he have? 37. Yeah. He's got 82 points, 37 assists, so how do you and 27 say He only rebounds. knows two, three do you, plays. Do you know the only other player in Sixers history to do that? Who? Wilt. Okay, it's the only other player yeah. to have those types of numbers in terms of what he does. No, in terms of set plays that they're running, like he doesn't know the set plays in the offense. He no, knows but, a, some, but but he's he knows learning. a couple of them. But he's running more, you know, out there running. They're going to learn those plays that
1: he's Doc learning runs. on the job, and he's doing incredible. I mean, to be able to make that pass to Matisse when you haven't played with him before is incredible. The way that he's already of—it's not just like everybody said. Oh, him and Embiid. It's not just him and Embiid. That's what's so impressive to me. I—that I did not expect—is
0: that he would—he makes everyone on his team better. Well, that he said to Maxi apparently, uh, who had four points in the first half the other night. You gonna play tonight? And then he put up twenty-one <laughs> points in the second <laughs> half. Now it's funny because. I picture Jimmy Butler saying that to Ben and it not uh-huh. going the same way. Oh, he would suck. So like, it goes to show you Tyrese likes to be coached hard and likes well, to be motivated. Well, we've heard that before about him. I, before we let you go, you know my interest in gaming, right? You're letting me go? So, well, we have like a minute and a half. We can't sit on oh, the air Oh, I thought you were forever. giving us a pink slip. I don't oh. know what time we have to actually have to get off the air because uh-huh. we were like a couple seconds late whenever we want. We just had a fire <laughs> drill on the way in. Oh, we'll just keep talking the, then. The cool. top of which hour? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> be, be clear. We'll just keep talking. So there, did you see that they're going to do a, a super betting broadcast? No,
1: no. What where where this stuff on the sides of the, the screen? I hate that. The
0: Bulls Sixers game. No,
1: is that just going to be on an alternate channel? Will like, be can I still an watch alternate regular?
0: live game sports oh, betting experience for the the Bulls Sixers matchup. I cannot so stand all they're going to have though. on-screen live odds, over/under, and moving lines, along with future odds and player. Is props. this
1: my end of show punishment for making fun of the fact that you had, didn't bring up ratings?
0: Yes. Oh. Yes, okay. I, I. If I can't go ratings, I have to go gaming. So, All right. Well, do you have any final comments? Yeah, I'll just beat you to the punch. I do so have I don't final have to deal comments. With this. So there is a chance that Rutgers could play themselves into the tournament this weekend. I don't know that they will. Yeah. But I have enjoyed watching Ron Harper kind of live up to what you thought he was. Mm-hmm. That you said he wasn't playing. Yeah, he up wasn't. To. I mean, he has been beyond clutch, and I just want to take a minute because I never get to mm-hmm. to talk about Rutgers basketball on this show, Jeff. It's okay, now, you still don't get to talk about him. Now I need to do it this week because by the time we come on the air next week, they may be eliminated from the Big Ten tournament yeah, and not in the <laughs> in March Madness. <laughs> so I'm going to do it right now. Look but, at you, you're kidding. Well, look, it's. I thought last year I was going, or was it two years ago? I don't mm-hmm. even know anymore. I was going to get to see Rutgers in the NCAA yeah, tournament. Yeah, You didn't get to see and, it. And I've told you, like, although my parents say that I always took days off from class. Right. The first day of the NCAA tournament was a holiday for me. Yeah. I would not go to class. I would set up the couch. I would how watch. was that
1: different than the second day of the NCAA tournament?
0: Tell me how it was different. No, I would go to class on the second day because I'd watch it. on my phone. But the first day, I wouldn't. Uh, we but, had phones when you were in college? Yeah, I'm not that old. They, yeah. not, not when you really? were in college. We didn't have phones. We didn't have laptops <laughs> when I was in college. What are you kidding? I think I had a, like a Blackberry or something like that when I was in college. Well, you weren't watching on a Blackberry. No, I wasn't. But yeah. I was getting
1: score well, updates. See, I just blew that out of the water. The case now has been made that you so you think I skipped class on the did second not, day too? So,
0: yeah. You, so my you parents the just my parents though. just found out I would really go to school. And at the all. next week, see, but they don't believe that I went to school even there there wasn't the tournament. So that's always their argument. They still
1: question if you went to Rutgers.
0: No, they know I went to Rutgers. I got a degree <clears throat> barely, but they you know, <laughs> and they and they don't question it because I still cheer for Rutgers, and I wouldn't suffer that much if I didn't have a- and deep roots. and to go full
1: circle, you cheer for. There are as many people cheering for. Rutgers right now as people that were at the Flyers game the other
0: night that's gonna be it thanks so much for joining us this week make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style have a great one and we'll talk to you next week
3: bye-bye